listeners, I'm Pip and with me is Paula. Hi everyone. We're so thrilled today to have with us Juniper Rose. Um, so welcome. And uh, just to Thank let you, you know a little bit about her. Um, so Juniper Rose is an Australian witch and she is a serpent priestess. She's a mentor, a meditation teacher and a workshop facilitator. You can find her on Instagram at Dracaena Medusa and The Wayward Path. She also has her own website, thewaywardpath.com. And we're just so thrilled uh, for you to join us on Tell the Witch Tree today to talk with us about serpent magic. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. Very excited to be here with you beautiful ladies who are doing so much for the community and producing so many interesting uh, interviews with wonderful people. So thank you for thinking outside the box and for enabling people to listen to topics that are a bit different and interesting. So gratitude to you as well for your work. Oh, thank you. I mean, thank it's great you. that we have opportunities to meet people such as yourself, really, because we, we may not, you know, you know, have these opportunities to to talk to you and to get to know you better if we weren't doing our podcast. So we're really enjoying the process as well. Um, it's giving us a chance to explore aspects of witchcraft and magic that we wonder about, that we feel yeah. that maybe we've misunderstood or we want to learn more about and dispel myths about um, for ourselves. So it's it's a great journey for us too. Yeah, we're learning loads. So shall we kick off with our first question? Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. So Juniper, what drew you to work with serpents and have you always felt a connection with snakes? Uh, absolutely. And I think, look, most Australians have a connection, whether it's a delight for one as mine is or not, because we actually have the 10 most venomous snakes in the world um, residing wow. in our country, wow. um, including the inland Taipan, which is the most venomous snake in the world. It has enough venom, venom to um, kill 100 people, although oh this snake God. has never been responsible. I know has never been responsible for a fatality because it's a naturally shy, reclusive creature. So mm -hmm. our lack of understanding and our fear of such animals really is quite unwarranted when we learn to exist with them in a respectful way. So for me, I grew up in a very rural location and snakes and interaction with them were a very much a part of life, sometimes a daily life. We had a lot of eastern brown snakes, which are also in the top ten we had a lot of black snakes and other snakes as well. So coming across them daily, even as children in our playing um, and being outside was quite a regular occurrence. So you learnt not so much to fear them, but to have a healthy respect for sharing the environment with them. So I guess yes. serpents have really always been a part of my life. They certainly were a large part of my upbringing. Yeah. And so I had a healthy fascination for them and their power Mm -hmm. And when I went to school, I immersed myself in ancient history and there I discovered um, the myth of Medusa and it never really rang true to me, the traditional story that we're told about her evil attributes and her mm -hmm. monstrous qualities and things. So she became quite a fascination for me. 
Mm-hmm. In fact, I painted her likeness for my final major artwork, much to the horror of my pastel <gasps> landscape loving art teacher. At I love that. that. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I think she was just happy to see the back of me, really, to be honest. But, yeah, we through ancient history, was the Egyptian connections with the very much cobra energy and the serpent energy of royalty and divinity that we see with comedic magic. I had a bit of a fascination for Cleopatra at the time, and obviously it is thought that she died of aspite, which is actually in modern times under much argument. Um, yes. But mm-hmm. then into a cult. Yeah, into occult studies and esoteric bookshops and things. I went to an all-girls boarding school. So as fast as I could run away, I did and immersed myself into the magic of urban witchery and I discovered a whole wealth of things that I didn't know about as a young, um, isolated, slightly Mm. controlled woman, I suppose, at the time and and Mm -hmm. being indoctrinated into the myths and the negativity that surrounds Eve and Lilith and all that sort of stuff as well. Yeah. So there was a lot of serpent energy when I was growing up, but it wasn't always necessarily a positive thing. So me being slightly rebellious in nature and also having an inquiring mind delved, wanted to delve deeper into this slightly maybe considered to be dark or scary at the time because of the way it was portrayed. So right. it was my natural instinct to go, no, I'm going to find out more about this. And there was a real calling or a stirring within me to in connection to that i love the way that your the the environment where you grew up you naturally experienced snakes around and that then you Mm. you made this connection with the with the history um Mm. so that you're sort of bringing in sort of thousand year old tradition into your actual environment and your experience and that you had this very tangible real life experience with with serpents in your everyday life and then you know we're able to merge that with these um these stories and magic that you felt drawn to yes and for me i guess that's kind of the essence of what i do it's that practical connection to nature Mm -hmm. and the elements as well and as i've evolved and grown and got older and come back to Australia because I had 11 years in the UK and connected into me with the importance with the traditional owners of this land and the Mm -hmm. Indigenous energy is very connected to obviously the rainbow serpent creation that most people know about and also Mother Ingana who is a creatrix um, of life so connecting into that flow and I now live in a caldera which is an ancient volcanic crater or the green cauldron as they call it which seems pretty appropriate (laughs) Um, but that serpentine energy flows very much through this landscape in the form of water and larval flow. Mm -hmm. And actually where I dwell is connected to feathered serpent energy, which is also quite connected to Aztec energy. So a lot of the Indigenous cultures have very similar connections worldwide across, you know, across eons, across oceans. um, And also carpet python clans we get a lot of coastal carpet pythons here so that has also my uh, connections have come back more to an indigenous sense of respect for the land now where I dwell as Mm -hmm. well that's really fascinating I think it's so interesting that you know this the the global connection um when we learn about indigenous cultures and that this the the reverence for snakes 
is something that mm. you see through throughout the world. Um, I I personally was raised in a home where the that Genesis story of of the snake was very was very dominant. It was a very conservative religious upbringing that I had, and I, I feel like that that was the dominant narrative. But I feel like when we pull when we peel back and it, we can go. The, the, the history is so much older and that it it's much more of a reverential history globally um, rather than this mm. rather short period of just the last couple thousand years that have had um, a much more negative take on serpent energy. I think so. And I think that goes across the whole board now. I mean, I had a conversation with a tourist in my local shop the other day who said he wanted to move here because this was God's country. And I piped up not being able to help myself and said actually this is goddess country and he went what are you one of them new age types and I went what's new about mother nature yeah that's right <laughs> this is this this wow. is the sense that we get of the modern religion thinking that there was nothing before them you know exactly it's not exactly. new age sorry no. there's nothing new age about it no. I mean if you want to talk just about tarot cards and crystals and keep it on one level, then maybe that could be considered new age in some ways. But when you're talking about the practice of magic in general or witchcraft, it's so much older yeah, than right. anything that might be considered to be new age. So I was quite offended by that. I had to drag myself and my, my vegetables off before I hit him with a carrot or something. So <laughs> I, I'm glad that you challenged him and uh, put him right. Hopefully, oh. hopefully he went away and thought about it. But um, yeah. who knows? I do hope so. Yeah. Um, so, yes. so Juniper, you've mentioned some, uh, you mentioned in, in sharing uh, several different serpent-based deities. And I was wondering if you could go a little bit more in depth about the serpent-based deities that you work with in your practice and how it is that you incorporate them into your magic. Absolutely. Well, obviously the most, the one that everyone has heard of the most is Medusa. And I spell her with the Greek or Hellenic O-U in, in oh, her name yeah. and obviously as women um, there is very much a sense of protection there we feel perhaps more even more so she did she has become a bit of a feminist icon and mm -hmm, a lot of the romance poets a lot of the romance poets as well um, attributed her qualities to that as well so she has a very sad story and like all modern forms of ancient history it always seems to stem from greek and roman connections however we forget that there was a lot of ancient cultures that existed before that mm. so mm. we can actually trace medusa's roots back to libya potentially north africa as we can with akate being ba babylonian or anatolian and a lot of these goddesses had a serpent connection and certainly with medusa growing up she was the daughter of sea deities who had a sea serpent energy as mm -hmm. such, but she grew up as a fertility goddess um, who carried live snakes, who worked with live snakes, um, who had a sense of that connection also to the varying phases of the moon as serpent priestesses. And this is very much where gorgon masks and things come in as well. Mm -hmm. It was said that the priestesses wore them to keep the mysteries sacred, to repel people who would inquire or maybe undermine and the classic Greek story of the soldiers marching in and bearing away young Medusa and other priestesses was also perhaps 
a metaphor within the mythos tales of the male domination at the time and the reducing of the power of women. Mm -hmm. So Medusa very much to me is a symbol of protection. She's a symbol of empowerment. Mm -hmm. And within her sense of being um, isolated and being turned into the monstrous being that we know her of as in modern history, she still wielded her power even after she had her head removed and carried across the ocean and the drops of her blood that fell into the sea became red coral and the drops of her blood that fell over the desert lands became the horned viper. Um, There is so much power even after her death. I mean, we have Versace and people like that using her um, likeness as an iconic symbol. So Medusa is very hypnotic, very enigmatic, very much powerful in the darkness within that sense of shedding and being rebirth and being reborn and rising again. So to me, within the work that I do, she is very connected to the peeling away and the shedding of layers and that connection to the strength that resides within that serpent energy that resides within that lays at the base of the spine and uncoils. I mean, there's a lot of talk about it in terms of kundalini in eastern traditions and stuff as well but um, to me that is that serpent awakening connection to magic as well connection to intuition connection to that ability to rise up out of the darkness and stand in your power regardless of what has happened to you so um, she's very strong my connection with her is very strong in that way and I connected with her in boarding school when I was 12 and I was in an environment that I hated Um, I painted her likeness as a rebellion. So to me, she's also always been a symbol of standing in your strength. Um, So my work with her lies in that way. Um, Mm -hmm. Ekate called me quite a long time ago now and she has very connected serpent energy as well. She's often depicted girdled with snakes and crowned with snakes and holding snakes. And again, it's that kind of chthonic association with death and rebirth and that rising up and through things, walking between the liminal spaces, uh, things like that. So being a goddess that is very much able to connect to ancestors, to connect to the restless dead, to connect to the spirit realms and things like that, that also comes in to connection with that sense of Medusa and also the sense of the Pythoness, the seer, the ability to see through things. So divinatory aspects, meditative journeying, um, trance work, um, moving between the veil, all that sort of energy is deeply connected to both. And I actually, to me, particularly due to their ancientness and pre-Hellenic tradition, I actually see them as sisters as such in the work that I do. So. Yeah, I'm quite connected to them in that way, Um, which also leads me through that association with Libya and North Africa to the Kemetic or the Egyptian goddesses. Now we're talking about the same sort of region. So Mm -hmm. we have that very strong cobra energy, which is divinity. And snakes have been revered as divine in many, many cultures across the world. But we particularly see it here in Renyanitet and Mertziger and Wajet, goddesses like that who are very connected to Pharaoh, connected to Mm -hmm. protection, connected to wisdom, connected to the silence of the desert, that sense of being still, of being able to listen. And that's also very much connected to the snake or the serpent's energy of their connection to senses. 
Mm -hmm. So we rely a lot on our eyes in modern times. So sometimes it's a good reminder, given that snakes don't have good vision or hearing, mm -hmm. to connect into our other senses. It's a reminder to look without seeing and to taste and to touch and connect into that internal sense of what's going on. So that sense of the patience of the serpent as well. So Connection to personal divinity. So a lot of my work is meditative-based. It is trance work-based. It is intuitive-based. It is a sense of that inner seer within. So that all really, for me, all connects together. And I ground that with that energy of that Indigenous sense of Angana being mother creator, but that energy that flows through the earth. So that's where the grounding, because otherwise I live up here too much. Yes. <laughs> so uh, in order to, to ground down that sense of that energy that you're working with in the higher realms, it's important, I think, to bring that back down to earth. And actually my husband's very good at bringing me back down to earth by popping my magic bubble sometimes. Yeah. So he helps, <laughs> he helps ground me as well. So... Um, there is a very much an essence of my masculine. And I think in modern times, in modern witchcraft and also the big goddess movement that's been so wonderful for um, bringing women back into the power, we need to remember the divine masculine as well mm -hmm. and we need that's to right. ask yeah. the divine masculine to rise up and meet us halfway so that we can create balance yeah. rather than it being an us and them thing as yeah. well. So. Yeah. That's really important for me to remember that those Egyptian goddesses worked with the energy of Pharaoh and mm -hmm. also the energy of Toth or Thoth, as many people call him, in, with his magic and wisdom. So let's combine the energy to create a more harmonious practice. That's beautiful. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, actually how important and how much it can en enrich your practice to work with serpents because of course you know you were saying that um they teach us to you know see without using our eyes and to tune into our other senses which of course is so important in magic and witchcraft mm, practice absolutely generally yes that's what struck me about about that and and and, and I think that's how you you keep going no, 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 go on. it's okay. I was going to say, and I think that's really important because I see a lot in modern witchcraft, people kind of skimming the surface. I mean, since we've had mm. American Horror, Horror Story Coven and Sabrina and all this other thing, there's, there's a really big gravitation towards witchcraft, but not everyone is prepared to do the work. And I think connecting yeah. into senses, connecting into self, grounding yeah. that energy, finding your own individual path is so very important. Otherwise, we just get a whole load of people just dipping their toe in. And where's the authentic authenticity and integrity in where modern witchcraft is going is kind of what Absolutely. worries me at times. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's that integration is important. Absolutely. Definitely. And I'm, I'm struck by how much your connection to serpents is also really tied into delving deep into this history and connecting back to ancient practices, both, you know, indigenous practices in Australia, but then also, um, you know, what you were saying about in Northern Africa as well and ancient Greece, like really going back thousands of years. So I, I feel like sometimes there, like you were saying, there's a tendency for 
modern witchcraft practice to really be only about the now and to be so focused on mm. on now that we miss sort of this rich, rich history and the opportunity to learn from those connections um, and and those sacred sacred goddesses that have been here for so long and have so much to share. I think so. And I think it comes down to wanting to go deeper as well. I think there's a lot of, to me, there's a bit of a sense of lazy witchcraft out there, putting on a pentagram and having a few crystals and shopping at Berserk or something, and then suddenly you're a witch. And I think people need to delve into the questioning of things. I've always been a questioner of things. Don't accept, just don't just read books and accept that that's the way or the only way. I Mm -hmm. think you need to find your own path. And I think that's where the authenticity and the integrity is. And that comes with questioning things, not understanding things, trying to delve deeper into history and mythos, even if it's not really your thing. I think it comes down to having a foundational knowledge of things. Absolutely. Yes. So our next question is, uh, what have you learned from working with serpent magic and has it helped you face and overcome any fears? You've kind of touched on this already, but I think one of the things Serpent Magic has taught me the most is patience. (laughs) I'm a fiery Leo. I'm (laughs) actually very impatient at times. (laughs) Um, I tend to rah. Um, But I think one of the things that I've learned the most is, is trying to teach myself from these connections to respond rather than react, Um, to have faith in my own ability to find that sense of authenticity and integrity, who I am. Um, And I do that in my teaching as well. I will offer people information, but I will never preach to them that my way is the only way Mm because I think one of me is enough. I think we need to have one of everyone individually. Um, So it's really helped me find my own individual way, my voice, my inward power. There's a lot of shamanic journeying with serpent where you Mm -hmm. can find your inner voice um, which can come out to be heard. So the sense of changing and adapting to the environment, to shedding the layers, to that twisting, coiling energy that's always flowing, it teaches us because I think the thing I fear the most is stagnation. So Mm. even when we're lying in that sense of topor or hibernation as snakes do, which is actually called bragmentation, but when we lie in that sense of stillness and surrender, we are still actively preparing for the next yeah. cycle or the next phase. So it's teaching us to be still. And yeah. I think that's one of the problems. I was told the other day um, that more than ever before, adults are being diagnosed with adult ADHD. And a lot of this is technology-based because we can't be still. We can't sit still. We're overstimulated constantly all the time. So yeah. snakes are very good at patience. They're very good at waiting till the time is right. So it's helped me in that way it's helped me overcome fears and doubts it's supported me through very deep shadow work and the peeling of layers through some very difficult trauma in the past Mm. and I've learned through it that snakes might not be for everyone but neither am I and I don't really care there you go (laughs) (laughs) sense of authenticity you know that strength of standing in your power with confidence but also with being humble having humility you don't know everything. I'm a student of the mysteries. I always will be. I don't know everything and I don't want to know everything. My students actually teach me stuff all the time. So yeah. I think the removal of ego in that sense, in that sense, it's important to have confidence and things. But yeah, I think the snakes have really taught me or working with serpents has taught me a lot about myself. 
really. I think it's a nice um, message so for um, younger witches and pra uh, practitioners of magic um, because uh, to listen to somebody like you talking is, is really kind of giving them permission as well to stop and delve deeper and to be patient and not feel like they've got to know everything. And we're, we're kind of saying, you know, dig deeper into yourself and, 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 and take your time with it yeah. as well. Um, and learn yes. about yourself. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Stop trying to be like everyone else. Yeah. It's like is our so power is our own. Yeah, that's right. And also I, think, I so. think also that growth and rejuvenation can happen in the shadows and it can happen in the stillness. And it's not always action-based. That that time of, mm. of quietude and reflection mm -hmm. and slowing down is... Um, like when, when you were saying about the snake, uh, how the snake hibernates or, or has this time of, of rest and yeah. stillness and that that is, it's out of that comes the next stage of growth and the shedding and a kind of rebirth. Um, yeah. That it doesn't always have to be about frenetic energy and going from this to that to the other. Yeah. Mm. It's very cyclic and I think we need we need to flow with that within our connections to the cycles of nature and the lunar phases and the solar phases, which are often forgotten about. Um, and I just, it always gets me when we get to the beginning of a human calendar season and it's like, happy first day of spring or happy first day of summer. And it's like, well, really? Does nature just go, um, oh, it's, it's spring today, you know? It's like get outside and connect. And this yeah. is one of the things that serpent teaches us because serpent is so cyclic. Go outside and connect. Yeah. Find your connections to your area where you dwell. Reading books is wonderful, right. but question them and make it relevant to where you live because particularly as a Southern Hemisphere witch, and I know because I've lived in the Northern Hemisphere as well, there is so much literature on Northern Hemisphere witchcraft. And there's also so many books that are saying the same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So do more research. And a lot of that information does come from ancient mythos, comes from local culture indigenous culture connection to the land make your net of knowledge much wider expand that sense of where you're getting your information from as you were saying to to be willing to sort of go deep and experience where you are and not not always rely on um, you know someone who might live in a very different climate or environment or maybe basing what they say on their own uh, background, culture, um, but to really experience. Um, and it's interesting because since we started researching more about serpent magic, you know, for, for these episodes, um, started being more aware of snakes when I'm out in the woods. I've had some amazing experiences of even seeing a kind of snake that in all the years I've, I've lived here, um, I had never seen a snake like that before. Um, very, very large kind of snake, but it was just resting in the sun. And I was like, oh my goodness, I can, I can look and I can just admire and see it, see its beauty and um, not feel frightened. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, yeah, and I, I think, look, I think that's a, the, the darkness thing that we were talking about still yeah. in modern culture to have as well. It's that indoctrination of fear um, that really does 
also give people an irrational fear of snakes. And yes, okay, Australia has a lot of very venomous snakes, but you don't come across them too often. And when you do, it's that respectful space and it comes back again to responding, not reacting, because a snake will only generally go for you if they are feeling threatened. I mean, we're these huge, stomping, noisy, enormous creatures to them and they're just Mm -hmm. trying to do their thing, you know. They're trying yeah. to sleep or hunt or or whatever it is that they're doing and suddenly you've become an enormous threat to them. So a snake doesn't actually want to bite and envenenate you. They want to save it for their prey. So mm-hmm. more than often even in Australia, a lot of people that are bitten um, are dry bitten. The venom is not actually injected because a snake would rather oh, really? get away from mm-hmm. you generally. And sometimes there is a yeah, sometimes there is aggressive periods when, when the mating is happening and the males are fighting and stuff like that. So sometimes there will be periods. But, I mean, there's a bit of a testosterone thing with that anyways and they go to the local pub. But, <laughs> you know, so you just, you, just, you just obviously have to have respect. Yeah, It's the same with any animal. It's any animal that is um, potentially dangerous or threatening, but I actually think humans are potentially the most dangerous and threatening species on the earth. Sure, so, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. If, if someone um, is listening to this and they are interested in beginning to work with serpent magic, how might they start? Would, do you have any suggestions about do's and don'ts for someone who's just beginning on this path? So the thing that I would like to say is do your research. The first thing to do is to find out more about serpents or snakes in the wild. Have a look at their behaviour. And I don't suggest that you go and face off against a venomous snake to do this. I'm suggesting that you watch wildlife documentaries, that you follow serpent pages, that you follow snake pages, that you read and learn. And then you delve into that deeper by learning and reading the knowledge that we've discussed through ancient mythos. Depending on the cultures that you are attracted to yourself or the lineage that you have, perhaps you are Nordic, perhaps you are Celtic, whatever it is that you are, find out the connections through those stories and through that knowledge that's been handed down and passed down. So again, weaving that connection of the scientific element of the natural world and the patterns of behaviour, understanding the patterns of behaviour and connecting it in with the mythos. If you if you connect with deity or the elements, whatever it is that you connect with, find those connections there and read and, and research and then start putting things into practice slowly, perhaps setting up an altar to a deity or to serpents in general, um, going to maybe a local wildlife refuge where you can handle a non-venomous snake like a python or, or something else, connecting into that serpent energy within you, that sense of kundalini, that sense of um, that energy that resides within you, connecting in through meditation, through journeying, through transport, whatever it is that you do, find the serpent within and then connecting into that serpent energy within the landscape. Is that in the flow of water? Is that in the flow of lava or fire? Is that in the sense of the the clarity of air and connecting and communion in with a divination and sedum and, and things like that as well? So it really depends on your magic and how you work as to where you find the connections. So go at it from the point of view of what resonates with you. And I yeah. think that is the way that you are yeah. always going to find connections. So 
for me, there's not really too many don'ts because I think it's very much a personal connection. I think it's very hard to to say don'ts when people practice in different ways. So I think don't let fear be a trigger for you. And I know there is people that have had experiences with serpents or serpent energy or snakes in the wild, or perhaps they may have had close calls or whatever it is, but all these senses of fear and triggering is very understandable. But if we want to move through that, then it's also teaching us to face that sense of fears that we may have. So don't let fear be a barrier. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying don't be afraid because that's stupid. It's just don't let fear to prevent you from this connection. And look, serpent, like I said, I said before, I'm not for everyone and neither are serpents. So it yeah. might not be for everyone. It is certainly more often more of a chthonic magic and maybe not everyone is into that or ready for that. So go easy. Don't hurl Mm -hmm. yourself into it and trigger some nasty event that you can't cope with because there's a lot of talk about shadow work these days and there's also a lot of people facilitating it. And I think there's a lot of people doing that that haven't actually done the work themselves, which to me is a bit scary. Mm -hmm. So if you were going to do any of that work with someone please make sure you have done your research on them ask Mm -hmm. them questions ask them about their experiences so just be cautious go with your instincts I think really is the most um the best advice that I can give really make it real keep it authentic and trust your judgment use your divination as well that obviously with that connection as I said to intuition and sedum and things like that allow serpents to be a connection through if you work with any divinatory means the tarot or whatever else it is uh, that you do let serpent guide you listen to your instincts and your intuition yeah, one of the things I found really powerful uh, was to create an altar to Medusa and serpents. Um, and we talked about that in um, our part one of this topic. It's a nice way of tuning in. I had done some research first, but I did do it quite early on. But it's surprising how, so that altar, I, I didn't know how long that would stay up, but and it's not necessarily in the most convenient places on on a windowsill, um, but I have no desire to take it take it down and dismantle it. And it it has allowed me to feel very connected. I find having because I've got an image of Medusa up on that old too. I find that really comforting. I I feel that she's a very protective presence. And also just this being out and about, and it doesn't even need to be in nature, but just this beginning to see sort of serpentine forms. And you start to see them almost everywhere. And it's more than than just seeing them. It feels really strong. It feels like you're making Mm -hmm. that, it feels like a connection. And it feels like you're meant to see these and make these connections. And it stop, you know, just even if it's just for a moment, you just may stop and kind of think about something, uh, um, kind of mull over those feelings that you've got at that moment that you've seen it. Mm. I I really do recommend um, creating an altar. Personally, I think that was a really good way of me to connect. 
And look, I absolutely do as well. I have a permanent altar to Medusa and I have my comedic altars and things as well. So I think for a lot of people, particularly having that iconography or imagery or that space to offer basic things, offerings, incense, um, spend time in prayer or meditation. And it doesn't even have to be deity connected if you are not one that mm -hmm. works with goddesses and gods. It, it can be purely serpent or it, you can use, as I talked about before, about the you can use the elements in things like that. And as you just talked about as well, finding the elements, serpent elements in nature. But more than anything else, serpent is within. It is the energy that coils at the spine and moves upward, that entwines. It is the essence. And finding that in ourselves then starts the synchronicity. As you right. beautiful women have found, finding it in all aspects of nature and the other things that you do, it starts coming up as signs. And, I mean, I'm, I see serpents and everything, and I think people sometimes think I'm a bit of a crackpot because they can't <laughs> see it. But, you know, that's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Oh, yeah. I feel like I feel like it's it's sort of that third eye, like I that I I'm now I'm seeing that that serpentine shape and flow, and also this idea of the Ouroboros and of this the the cycle mm -hmm. and the the connection. It just more and more it's coming up, and I I really feel like I've always had a fear of snakes. And that now it's not that the fear is completely gone, but that instead of me saying, oh, I'm afraid of them, I'm able to sort of take a deep breath and say, yes, I have this response that that's the first response. But now I can I can step back and I can say, yes, that maybe sometimes my response when I see a snake, because there are a lot of snakes where I live, although nearly all of them are completely harmless and very shy, but I see them a lot. And now I say, oh. Yes, hello. Uh, I appreciate all that you do and how you are part of of nature mm. and 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 it's and it feels different. It 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 feels different, and mm. I can look at this at this beautiful creature and say, "Wow, it's so beautiful the way it moves and the colors of the scales and mm. all of the rich symbolism associated with it," rather than having just that reactive response. Yeah, which is As different you've for me. To past the yeah. I rarely see snakes where I, I mean, I haven't seen a snake around where I live for years. Um, I would love to, but it's just a rare occurrence. And so um, I think for me to sort of instead see these sort of serpentine forms and patterns that, that um, kind of echo that serpentine flow, I, I think that I finding that all the more powerful in a way because I can't actually see this living, breathing snake. So that one I posted uh, to our Instagram account of the, the serpent in the tarmac and path in a churchyard near me. I went to see that serpent the other day, actually. And I, I sat down, um, I sat down in front of it and, and just cleared a bit of the debt. There was a bit of debris on, on, on its body. And just, you know, I had a bit of a chat. <laughs> and I thought, God, people, <laughs> if anyone walks past here now, they are going to think I'm nuts. And then I thought, oh, but do I care? No, not really. I'm just kind of happy. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. And I'm so <laughs> green and lush in that churchyard at the moment because it's quite an uh, overgrown churchyard. That's why I like it because it's full of nature, full of birdsong and this wonderful mm. serpent that I found. Yeah. Beautiful. Wow. Beautiful connection for a, a cemetery or a graveyard. Very much. Especially beautiful there. chthonic connection. 
yeah especially yeah. there because mm. I love it there and I go there it's funny because I when I was walking in there the other day a woman looked at me and she said and she said something like I can see you're just breathing a sigh of relief and, and you're relaxing as you walked in here and I thought I probably am because that's how I feel when I walk mm. in. um so yeah and I've spent quite a lot of time just sitting in there so it's amazing that I found this serpent in there too I, I'm so happy about that mm. <laughs> it's like you've found a portal between worlds and that's what we do when we we yeah. connect in we connect into mm -hmm. that liminal space that sense of walking between the horns that space of entering another world a world yeah. where we can just be a yeah. world where it is a relief yeah. to be in that we're stripping away the layers of the mundane that that stagnate us and we are sit in that moment sitting in our truth and our yeah. true connections and I think that's a wonderful that serpent energy is is called in that way yeah and interesting that that lady who a complete stranger saw that in me as I walked in saw that kind of like mm. just relaxing it's evidence yeah. yeah amazing mm. so that's um, the empowerment yeah yeah so I wanted to ask um is serpent magic and Medusa devotion a long-term commitment or can you call on them in your practice when you feel you need them or when it feels most appropriate in a way I feel like we've answered this because it seems to me long-term commitment. I personally feel it is, and for me it has been a lifetime yeah. commitment yeah. in many different forms. It's just that the forms have evolved and changed um, and perhaps deepened over the time as I've empowered myself as well. I believe with any potent deities, particularly when you're working with more chthonic deities that connect a lot with darkness and light, um, I believe it is a deep connection, not a shallow connection. Yeah. Mm. I believe that there is an element of respect and not, as we talked about flippancy and skimming the surface and, and things yeah. like that before, I believe personally it requires an element of dedication. Yes. I mean, certainly I call upon different serpent deities at different times during different cycles for different things. Yeah. Um, the comedic deities to me are much more connected to their essence of fire as well so I think it depends whether you are calling uh, to, to me Medusa and Akate are there all the time for me they're yeah. just who I'm devoted to who I'm dedicated to along with Anubis actually but the energy for me is there and ongoing but like I said before everyone's path is different yeah but I would just say if you are going to call upon these goddesses or really any I think that you need to devote time I mean, the gods aren't just there for your whim and will. No. More often than not, it either no. won't happen right. or it will backfire. And one of the other things that we need to learn as well is to stop asking for things all the time and oh, just, just be just with these energies that. or sit in yeah. gratitude yes. because we're very good at demanding things. And I, I don't think that you'll fare very well with any of these goddesses if you are just working on a demand basis. So that is my personal opinion. And all the gods and goddesses that I work with have kicked my ass at times. And I think that is a good thing because I don't think witchcraft should be comfortable mm -hmm. and easy and all the time because that where's the growth in that? Yeah. I think that we need to be challenged. I think that we need to be told that, that we need to do more or that we need to be more. 
or that we need to do harder work because I think otherwise we tend to stagnate. And, yes, witchcraft is nourishing and it supports us in our journey, but I think it is up to us as well to constantly evolve within that and not become too complacent. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. That's definitely. And I think that, that that leads well into our our final question, which is whether you've ever run into difficulties or felt afraid in connecting with serpents and Medusa? Not so much connecting with Medusa. I, I suppose in the early days there was maybe more of an anticipation than a fear. Um, mm-hmm. It actually has come more from my early connections with the Kate more so than Medusa. Um, but more that was more about my own shit that I needed to work through. Mm-hmm. That was more about my own inward fears than a sense of divine interaction um, creating fear. But the, God, the goddesses have kicked my butt, as I said before, in terms of making me work harder, That's mm-hmm. making me stand up and accept who I am. And I have been dragged through the mud. I've had an elements of trauma in my life that I've needed to work through. So I suppose that sense of confronting fear, and we mm. talked a bit before about it's okay to be afraid, um, that just yeah. don't let it stop you. So, yeah. yes, I suppose I have run into difficulties at time, but that's been more about my growth than working yeah. with them so much. Yeah. But I think there is that sense of the goddess will come in by force at times and confront you when you're being an ass because I think that that's part of you as well, stepping up to yourself and trying to create a better version of yourself because I really think that every day you should be trying to be a better version of yourself. That's what we're here for in this physical lifetime to learn these mundane earth-based lessons as well entwined with our spiritual journey is to learn those physical lessons. And sometimes we need a kick in the backside to move through them. And I think sometimes that's offered. (laughs) Yes, definitely. And I I love how that, that really ties into the the metaphor of shedding too. And, and that peeling away of, of layers of the serpent magic. Um, Mm. And for me, I think that's one of the most appealing parts of it is, is this idea that, it can be the same creature, but there's mm. there's always something that can be peeled away and, and new growth and that you don't have um, it can be it can be frightening to the, the fear mm. can be about also having to let go and to shed and be mm. exposed. But that through that then comes comes new growth and new freedom for movement. Um, I love all the metaphors I think um, so. connected to serpent mm. magic. Um but how amazing is that well, sense of that, looking in the mirror? I think, yeah, yeah. I was going to say how amazing yes. as well that you can you can um, go through as you described this the shedding process um, and kind of digging deeper into yourself, which can be scary. But you've got this wisdom from Medusa, wisdom of the serpents, and and certainly I really feel this protective element of Medusa um, to, you know guide you through that process so you're not you're not mm-hmm. doing it alone as difficult as it is no um i find i i, I really feel um a protect a protectiveness in, in in medusa for sure and i i think that to do some kind of shadow work however wh- however you may see that 
um, knowing that that you you have that, um, so long as you're you're treating that respectfully, is a real gift. I absolutely yeah. think so, and I think that that is part of that healing work of the inner child that we all need to do. That is ongoing. You hear people go, oh, "I've done my shadow work," and I'm like, "Oh, that's that's really nice for you. Is it finished now?" You know, is that is that it? Is it for the rest <laughs> of your life? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm I'm a guru now. I've done my shadow work. I'm a guru, and now I can teach you. Yeah. No, I think I think it's yeah. um an ongoing, ongoing sense of connection because we're going through different experiences all the time, and you will find that you get to an experience that is a trigger, or mm. that things have come back up that you think you've dealt with, but you haven't necessarily dealt with them at all. Or maybe next time you were better at healing them or moving through them or processing them, but it, it is an ongoing thing. So and the other, the other thing I wanted to say as well was movement is a really good connection to serpent energy, whether that's through music, through your own form of interpretive dance, through belly dance, which is very serpentine, um, that sense of physical connection, connecting it all together, I suppose, is that integration of physical, mental, yeah. emotional, spiritual. It's connecting all those energetic bodies together um, to stand in that sense of serpent power wow this has been amazing i i we've been talking for just less than an hour and i can't believe how much how much we've we've managed to get through and it's it's so amazing to have your your wisdom and your advice it really is um thank thank you it really is it's inspiring actually and i yeah i'm certainly going to go away thinking some more about all of this for sure oh absolutely it's it's very powerful and it makes me realize this is serpent magic is such a rich area that there's it's possible to just go so deep and to truly spend a a lifetime and to spend decades just learning more um both about the the history of of deities and serpent magic, you know, through the ages, but also with this inner work and um, all of the ways that that we can learn and grow through shedding and the cycles and patience and, and so many of these powerful facets of it that you've touched upon. Thank you. And I think that in within that, um, it allows room for the individual to find on their own connections because there is such a variety of connections that serpent energy relates to i think it's this really is a scope for using utilizing your own magic and your own tradition lineage whatever it is path that you work with i think there is a place in there for serpent energy and serpent magic within it but like we said before it's not for everyone and that's okay um but, yeah, f- finding your authenticity, I think, is the most important thing, finding what resonates for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, if it's not for you, I think you'll know pretty quickly that it's not this particular path. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people that won't be attracted to this path, just won't. And there's a lot of people I know that have an irrational fear of snakes, and maybe that is because of an instance that they have had, but it really comes down to whether you want to work through that or not. I mean, we all have yeah. things that we've decided we're not going to face, and some people just aren't into working with that sense of darkness and light, although to me it doesn't make sense because it's where the harmony is, integration, that That's sense right. of being in the void. But... Um, there is no judgment from me uh, as long as people are committed to their path and committed to evolving. I think that's the most important thing, really. 
Yeah, and I think, um, you know, somebody listens to this episode and they kind of feel, yeah, the serpent path isn't for me. But what I'm hoping is that I think even if it isn't, there's so much to learn by just listening to you talk and learning about your own practice and being authentic. And the, uh, this practice, this thing that we do, this of witchcraft, isn't just a, isn't just about the mundane world. In fact, it isn't about the mundane world, really. We have to live mm. in that. But to see further than that and to experience things outside of that and on a deeper level. And I think even if you don't decide to practice serpent magic, just learning a little bit about it can help you uh, deepen your practice and make your practice stronger. I think I think you're absolutely right. And it becomes a bit of a format for whatever else you're practicing then as well. I mean, you can take the tools that yeah. we've discussed and apply it to any form of magic, really. Yeah. So yeah. I think if it just inspires people to go deeper, to um, stop skimming the surface, to, you know, find their own way, then uh, I think that's a positive thing. Yeah, me too. Well, thank you so much, Juniper Rose, for coming on our podcast and sharing your wisdom and your experiences. Um, I think this is, it's definitely been a very rich experience for me. And I'm sure that our listeners will also uh, really find this to be um, so interesting. And it just leaves us with... um, you know, curiosity to learn more and um, and a better understanding of this unique path. Absolutely. I, th- I think so. And that, that is my hope, just to inspire people to go deeper and to find their own way. I think that's probably the most important thing and to never stop learning. Because when you think you know everything, you've stopped learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the thing with being a student of the mysteries is the biggest thing is knowing that the more that you know, the the least you realise that you know. You yeah, know, yeah, it's right. just it's an ongoing sense of wanting to know more. I mean, I, I could be an, an eternal student forever, really. You know, if yeah. someone had just like to give me lots of money to study, that would be okay. I'd be happy <laughs> with that. If there's anyone out there listening that's got <laughs> a small fortune and they'd like to... <laughs> let me study for the rest of my life that'll be all right yeah well it's been wonderful and i want to say thank you to our listeners we really hope that you've enjoyed this episode i am sure that you have we'd love you to share your thoughts with us too you can find us on um, instagram at tell the witch tree and i also want to say thank you to our editor rob um because yeah, he he saves us every time with his editing skills. He's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yes. absolutely. Thank you, Rob. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So until next time, take care, everybody, and we will see you soon. All right. Bye, Pip. Bye, bye. bye Jennifer Rose. Thanks so much. Bye. bye. Thank bye. you, beautiful ladies. Bye. Bye.